Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Let's take a look at this first principle right here. There are principles within this passage in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that we must unpack a little bit so that we can have a little bit of an understanding of what, what's really going on here. First principle this morning, based on our text, is that there are two commandments, but there only should be one heart to follow those two commandments. Two commandments for one heart to follow. Look at verse 19 again. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's the first commandment when it comes to worship. Okay? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's commandment number one. Not to store up treasures on earth. Now, that's not a prohibition on having possessions, by the way. Okay? Jesus is not saying... Ah, don't, don't buy this, don't buy that, or don't own a house, or don't buy a car. None of that. It has nothing to do with that. Remember, this is about the heart. Okay, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because it's going to be taken from you anyway. It's going to be removed from you. It has no really lasting value if you store these things, in, especially in, the, in, in material things. I mean, how many things can we keep in terms of the natural, in terms of the temporal? Do you think you're going to be able to, to, to keep everything that you possess when you die? I mean, the old cliche is true. You will never see a hearse towing a U-Haul. I told my wife, when you put me on that casket, make sure that my blazer has no pockets. Right? We know that. With, you, do you think you, you can hang on to that good looks forever? Ah, oh, Chuck is saying, yeah, man. I'm hanging on to it. All right. Do you think that youthful energy will stay? No, what Jesus was saying is, you can't keep anything in this world, so you can't store up things. You, you, you cannot base your worship based on what you see is God blessing you. You know, in North America, when we say we're blessed, we're always talking about, I'm blessed with everything. Good looks, health, wealth, all of these. That's our perception, and Jesus was very adamant about saying, don't, don't do that. The first commandment of worship is this. Don't put a lot of stock on these things, treasures on earth. When we value these things very highly, we worship them. Oh, pastor, I don't worship. Yes, we do. Jesus wouldn't have said it. We do. And, and the first thing to do is to come clean, right? To come clean. You know that God wants us to, to worship him with abandon. No reservations. You know, just with abandon. And I'm not saying we don't offer God the very best of our lives in terms of what we can give. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is God is looking at that, that shrine in a person's heart that is broken before him. That is not much, but it honors his presence. You know, there's a historical context to these words. You know, treasures on earth are the things that we value. Earthly blessings are not the true measure of God's favor. You know, in the Old 
in the Old Testament, in ancient times, in the times of Jesus, people hold on to their possessions, hold on to their money, especially in so many ways, right? Because, because they feel that the money that they receive was a blessing from God. That's the Abrahamic covenant. You know, God, you know if you do this, God, I w- God will bless you and all of that. That covenant's done. Jesus has a better covenant for us. You know, sometimes we want to claim the covenant that God has given, uh, you know, the Abrahamic people, right? Which is we're part of in terms of faith. But sometimes when we talk about being blessed, we're still thinking about God's going to multiply my money if I just, you know, do these great things. Well, guess what? Jesus did, did away with that because Jesus was speaking to an audience in which the people who had given, been given money, you know what the ancient people do at the time of Jesus? When they have this money, they store them in different ways. They take that money and they put it in a box and lock it and, and, and they keep it at home. Some people take their money. This is, this is true historically about those people. They, they, they dig up a hole. And they bury their treasure. That's why Jesus had a parable of the buried treasure. Because that's what people did. They hang on to this amount, to this money, to this prosperity that they have. They either keep it in a box or they bury it under the ground. But there's one thing, there's one thing that they practice in those days that Jesus absolutely deplored. And that is they take their money and they invest it with the money changers. In the temple. You see, here's the deal. People are required to offer their worship to God. Right? Worship to God. That worship entails that they have to give an unblemished animal. They have to bring that unblemished animal to the temple. And this is what happens. The money changers do not care about the quality of the sacrifice. They care about just getting your money so you can pay your taxes. In other words, I can bring a, a blind goat and the money changers will, because of, because of the money that it will make him, will just take that and offer it because it's a temple tax. You know what Jesus did to those money changers? Read it in the Gospel of John. He took a whip and he started cleaning up the temple. Why? Because the temple was supposed to be a house of worship and they made it into a den of thieves. Now, we don't do that now, but the principle is still the same. We often think that what we have represents God's favor on our lives. It's about perception. We often associate worship with what God can do for us. God can offer us here on earth. I'm sure some of you here today, you're saying, if I just worship God, He's going to bless my life. And what we really mean is that we want, to, we want God to make us comfortable in this life. What are some of the treasures on earth that we associate with God's blessings? The American dream. Home, home ownership. Success in business. A great career. Education. To achieve more degrees than Dr. Celsius. Or Dr. Fahrenheit. Well, God has no problems doing that. But the natural extension of that mindset brings us to a more deadly aspect of our perception. And that is, if God wants to bless me, then God must want me to be happy. And when God wants me to be happy, He must allow me to do the things that I believe will make me happy. 
I can love anyone I want or who anyone I want, and I can be whoever I am. That's the logical extension. Because our perception of God's blessing has to do only with the things that favor our own preferences, our own desires. But worship is never intended for our desire. It's intended for God's desire. And then our worship becomes an issue of what we want God to do for us and what we want, not what we want to do for Him. The moment we associate worship of God with the temporal blessings of life, we offend God. Why? Because we think we can measure the glory of God through the things that, that we possess, through the things that we achieve here on earth. We want to be God's, we, we, want, to, we want to be re- recipients of the great things that God does for us because that's how we measure the greatness of God. We measure the greatness of God. We worship God on the basis of His greatness and that usually means what He has done for us, the good things that He has done for us. Let me tell you this, loved ones. We don't worship God because of the greatness that He has done for us. We worship Him because He is great, period. No qualifications. I don't worship God because of this or that or the other. I worship God because I'm going to worship Him anyway. If you're an unbeliever this morning, if you don't believe in Jesus, listen to me. You will worship Him anyway because the Bible says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God. He doesn't need to do anything. He will be worshipped. Doesn't have to do anything for you. Oh, Jesus, stop these people from proclaiming you. They're shouting, Hosanna, glory is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said to them, if they shut up, the stones will cry out. You will worship him anyway. Do it now. Do it now and do it right. Because every knee will bow. Every time. You you unbeliever? People who don't believe in God, people who don't believe in Jesus, people who reject Jesus, you will kneel down to him one day. You will. There's no question about it. Because Jesus said it. Once I go to heaven, all authority has been given to me. All power has been given to me. No one comes, goes anywhere without going through me. Worship it's never just about how great God has been to us. It's about how great God is. So the first of the two commandments is, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Here's the second commandment. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's a commandment. Hello. Two commandments, one heart to follow. Don't store earthly treasures, but store For yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasures in heaven, things that you and I give up for the opportunity to honor Jesus. That's what it means. That's true worship. What we're willing to give up for the sake of Jesus. That's a question of worship. What are we willing to give up? In order to honor Jesus. 
people come up to me and, and say to me all the time, Pastor, you know, I can't help it. I'm this way. And I will usually ask the person, have you knelt down before God and told God, God, I'm struggling with this thing about myself. And if, I, if you don't help me, I'll never be able to get out of this. Do you honestly think that Jesus will say, oh, that's your problem. Oh, no, 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 don't come to me. No, 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 no. The problem is us. We never really offered to trust in the Lord in those areas of our lives. Because we think that, we wanna, because we think that they're not a big deal and we want to hold on to them. This is, this, is a, this is a worship issue. There's something that blocks the flow of eternal life. If there's something that blocks the, the, the communication between God and us, it's time to kneel down and say, God, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me in this area because I want to please you. I want to worship you. I want to make sure that my life is on the right track. That's how Jesus worshiped God. You know, the Bible says Jesus was perfect. He was a sinless Savior, and yet he relied on God. Implicitly and explicitly. He was one person with two natures. Fully God, fully man. But he operated as a human being by showing us that we can completely trust in God. And God will honor the heart of worship. If there's humility in there. We have to live sacrificially. Loved ones, if you're a Christian, I, I, I'm sorry to say this. There's a price to pay, to be paid for being a Christian. The Christ, Christianity is a sacrificial life. And we lost, we lost that, that term right now, you know, with many Christians. You know, as Christians, we, we want to be acceptable to the world. We want to please the world. We want, we want people to see us as just like them, you know. So we behave like them. We, you know, we, we, we go to do the same things that they do in the hopes that they will see the difference in us. How can they see the difference in us if we are acting like them? Right? We, we can't. We don't become a light. We become that darkness that Jesus was talking about. We live sacrificially. Here's Romans 12. Everybody should know this and have this by heart. Therefore, I urge you, brothers. In fact, I had this memorized. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. What? Holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. It doesn't say it any clearer than that. Lots of things to give up. Amen? Lots of things to be able to set ourselves apart. Acts of worship are the treasures that we will take with us to heaven because these acts, represents two, these acts represent true worship. Remember again the rich young ruler. Again, Jesus, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, Matthew 19, 21, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. That's a tough order. That's a tough order. The perception of the good life is the product of our worship. And Jesus, if you really said, if you really want to worship, give all that up and follow me. The man worshiped what he perceived in his eyes. He connected his wealth with the blessings of God, but his heart followed what he saw. And when he challenged, when he was challenged to sell everything, 
it was revealed that he was not a true worshiper of God. In fact, think about it. He never really wanted anything from God because he perceived that he already has everything. He just had this uh, fear of missing out. The FOMO. He had FOMO. That's why he approached Jesus. He just feared missing out on something. He really didn't want to worship God. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number two, two eyes with a singular perception. Okay, two commandments for a singular heart. Two eyes with a singular perception. Look at the, the next verse. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think we touched on that already. He's talking about not having a focus on the singular perception that we must please God with the humility of heart. In order for us to see well, both eyes must be focused on a singular object, and that is the worship of God. Bad eyes, on the other hand, have divided focus. You know, it drives me crazy when I'm talking to somebody, and the, the person's one eye is focused on me, and the other one is like this, you know. And it's very offensive, isn't it? You know. I mean, you know, that happens to us as parents, you know. When we were raising our, our kids when they were little, I mean, there's a lot of that going on. You know, I'd be talking to her, and she'd be going like this because she's watching what the kid's doing, right? <laughs> you know, especially the kids, you know, they play anywhere. You need to keep an eye on them. So you need to focus on one thing. That's what a good, good eyes do. They focus on something. But if our focus, the focus of our eyes are on something else, God gets offended by that because God doesn't want it that way. He wants us to have our undivided attention. The cares of life versus our relationship with God causes our eyes to be unfocused when things are going on so much in our life. Now we lose the focus completely. You know, it's sad when the pandemic hits, you know, a lot of people lost their focus. They start coming to worship altogether. I don't know why. I don't know why that happens, okay? You focus on what's going on. I mean, it, it, it's going to go and take you away from the focus that God wants you to have. So many today may worship God with one eye, one eye only. We are focused on Him and other things. That's not true worship. Worship has a singular focus, and that is to focus on what pleases God, what God wants. Is he saying if your heart to be pure in worship, the eyes must have a singular focus. We often do not serve God or do His will to obey His commandments because we're not looking straight at Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. You know, if you're a Christian, if you profess to be a Christian, you've got to know who Jesus is. You have to. You have to know who He is. You know, we're not, I'm not talking about what you saw in the movies. I'm not talking about what you've read in the history books. I'm not talking about what some preacher says about Jesus. You have to find out who Jesus is. That's a responsibility that you have. Don't, don't rely on the pastor. You don't, don't rely on any church. Don't rely on anybody. You need, that's, that's, Jesus commands you to do that. It's not me. I'm not going to bail any one of you out on judgment day. Well, pastor didn't teach this. I didn't teach a whole lot of things. And I'm not going to take the fall. No. 
Because I know what you're going to do the day I die. You're going to attend the service, but you're staying for the potluck. That's it. That's all the ministry that I have to offer. I wonder where the reception's going to be. Well, we just had a memorial service for pastor. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking for the announcement that the funeral director is going to say, Oh, everyone is invited uh, to join the family at this such and such a restaurant and all of that. And people say, you know, some, some people don't even attend the service. And they went there. Ecclesiastes is true. Everything under the sun's meaningless. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, don't give that person a mansion on the hilltop. That's a fake right there. Give that man a skateboard. Wise worship is undivided worship eyes. Eyes wide open, undivided. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's worship. Understanding what the Lord's will is and doing it. Number three and final point. I know I'm keeping you here, but you know, got to do this. Verse 24, we have two choices, but we must only have one loyalty. Two choices, one loyalty. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the what? And despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus considers worship of possession as a personification of an idol. Okay? The operative word here is master. Master. Jesus was saying, you cannot serve two masters. Who is the master? It's Jesus. We cannot serve Jesus and anything else. Well, that's, Pastor, that's too difficult. I got so many things. It doesn't matter. The operative word in the commandment is that we cannot serve Jesus and other things. And that's what worship ought to be. Worship is cannot be separated from service. If you serve your master, it means that your master has a place for you to serve him. There are only two commandments for us anyway, right? To be with Jesus and to serve Jesus. Serving, okay? Serving Jesus. Now, how do I serve Jesus? We have to have a vision for serving the Lord. We have to have a vision because you cannot separate service from worship. You know, worship is not standing here and singing the songs. That's not, that's not the whole part of worship. Worship is to serve Jesus. How do we serve Jesus? Very quickly, we're using the acronym VISION. You have to have a vision for service. This is the vision for service. The letter V, visit the sick. You want to serve Jesus? Begin visiting the sick. I'm not talking about just the physically sick. I'm talking about being a lighthouse to people. Number, letter I, invest your life in other people. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. That's mean, that means making an investment in the life of other people. The letter S, spend your time and money wisely. Spending your time and money wisely. That's part of serving Jesus. I can elaborate it, but we don't have time. Letter I, instruct yourself in the Word of God. This is so important. 
got to get familiar with what the Bible says about you, what the Bible says about who God is, and what the Bible says about this world, what the Bible says about how we live, what the Bible says about how we should die, what the Bible says about how we should treat one another. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but this is part of serving Jesus. We instruct ourselves in the Word of God. Jesus says, do not try to pluck out that speck in your brother's eye. What you need to do first is to pull out that log in your own eyes. Then you can instruct other people. The letter O, offer to serve in the ministry. Offer to serve in the ministry, whatever it is. God has given you something to do. And make that a ministry. And the letter N, nurture others in spiritual growth. So that's as simple as it gets. Of course, it's not exhaustive. But you want to practically worship God through service? Pick one of these and run with it. Because God is going to be worshipped according to His terms. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.